Do you like what you're hearing? Help us celebrate our one-year anniversary. You have until November 13, 2018 to leave us a written review along with a star rating. Then shoot an email to contact at sparkjoypodcast.com with your username for a chance to win a copy of SparkJoy signed by Marie Kondo. You can visit sparkjoypodcast.com forward slash iTunes for more details. And now, on to the show. Welcome to Spark Joy, the podcast dedicated to celebrating the KonMari method and the transformative power of surrounding yourself with joy and letting go of all the rest. With your hosts and certified KonMari consultants, Kristen Ivey and Karen Sochi. And now, here's the show. There's one thing I know for sure. We put our time, energy, and our money towards the things that we value. But what happens when our values are incongruent with our consumption behaviors, placing us in danger of missing out on the freedom associated with living the life of our dreams? Today, we're going to explore a simpler path to wealth, shifting our awareness and mindfulness from the pursuit of more stuff to the pursuit of financial freedom. Here to help us explore the intersection between the Kanmari lifestyle and financial independence are co-hosts of the House of Phi podcast, Wendy and Tamika. House of Phi helps families who dream of retiring early but are unsure how to do so and raise a family figure out a plan. Their guests share their journey to financial independence, early retirement, and debt freedom. Welcome to SparkJoy, Wendy and Tamika. Hi. Hi, thanks for having us today. Welcome. We're so glad you guys are here. So let's start with this concept of financial independence or FI. Your show, House of FI, celebrates this philosophy in a really amazing and unique way. For our listeners who aren't familiar with the concept, let's start with your definition of FI. The definition of FI is financial independence. So it's part of a larger group that goes by FIRE. So financial independence, retire early. Not everybody who is looking for financial independence is looking to retire early, but some are. And so it's really about creating as much extra income flowing into your home as possible to be debt-free, to decrease spending, to increase retirement savings, and letting those things work for you so you can build up enough money so that you don't have to necessarily go the re- traditional retirement route of, you know, retiring at 65, 75. Um, it seems like the age for retirement keeps getting longer and longer, but essentially setting yourself up to be in a position where you have choices so that if you wanted to retire at, for instance, age 55, you could. Or you could work less, or you could devote your time to passion projects or families and that sort of thing. It's really about freedom. As the FI and FIRE community grows, we see these offshoots where people are also beginning to think more about how to optimize their lives so that they can do things that bring them more joy on a daily basis and so that their money and time is freed up. Um, and their lives are decluttered so that they can focus on the things that really mean the most to them and really deserve their time. Yeah, I would agree. Minimalism and frugality is also a popular theme within the community. It's interesting to see how this has become kind of a really broad community. I just randomly had someone who was in the media at a KonMari event come up to me and we were talking about something and he just started talking about his involvement with the FIO community. And it was so Mm. interesting. And I was like, oh, yes, I've heard of this. We're having some guests on our podcast who are involved in that. But the House of FI in particular is really focused on helping families navigate their path towards FI. You're both very busy moms. Wendy, you have six kids and Tamika, you have three. I'd love for you both to share a little bit about your individual paths for entering the FI community and how this journey has impacted your families. Yeah, absolutely. So as you stated, I have six children. We, We didn't start our paths as parents with the plan for having six children. That was an evolution of our adult lives. My oldest child is 22 and she's my biological child. And then our other biological child is 16. And we had really thought that our family was complete 
And about the time my son, my biological son was maybe six or seven, we really had it on our hearts to adopt from foster care. So we went through the process to do that and adopted our first adoption, which was Jacob. And we thought we were going to get like an eight-year-old little boy, and we ended up getting a three-week-old infant. And it just really turned our world upside down. At the time, I was a practicing lawyer, had my own firm, never would have in a million years thought that I would give that up. So we got our son, which through a very you know long series of events that I won't get into now, it led to us adopting three more boys. And so at 42, my husband and I, we found ourselves that our family had gone from three to six children in a matter of six months. And along with that came a lot of chaos, a lot of just really wanting to be with my kids. But at the time, our debt was such that it was just going to be impossible. So out of wanting to be with my children, and I will say that adopting out of foster care, our kids have needs. They were all born substance exposed. And so with that comes just some special considerations. And so putting them in daycare, it just really didn't seem like the best decision for our family. So that's when the idea to figure out a way to do something different came about so that I could not have to work so much and be with my kids. And I was actually at a point of desperation, like, how can I make money and supplement my income? And I found the Phi community. And I found that there were these people out there just like me, but saving 50% of their income. And that just led down a long rabbit hole of other podcasts, other blogs, and it blew my mind and it changed my life. And so through that, we did a lot of changing of our lives. And here we are. We're not debt-free, but um, we have cut our expenses so much that I am able to retire my practice and I'm able to work from home and be with my kids. And my situation was a little bit different in coming to the FIRE community. I grew up in lower income housing with my immigrant parents and My parents always taught me that I needed to save when I worked. And so I began my first job at around 14. I saved my paychecks at the time. I actually continued working every summer and sometimes during the school years throughout high school and into college. And I liked to think that I did everything, quote unquote, the right way. I studied really hard. I went to a top university Um, And then I went off to graduate school. I became an accountant. I worked for one of the top four firms at the time. Eventually, I did realize that nursing or having a more interactive profession was something that still called to me, even though I was on this path within the accounting field. And I went back to school a third time to become a nurse. And after all of that hard work and finishing at the top of my class and all of that, I ended up with $90,000 plus in student loans. And the thing that shocked me was my loans had ballooned over that time while I was still going to school. The interest portion had grown. And the other thing was that when I first took my loans out in undergraduate, they were around 2%. But later, by the time I went to graduate school and even back for nursing, they had gone up to 6%. And I didn't even know enough to know how much the money I was borrowing was costing me. Although I knew other things like to save and to work and to work hard and everything. At that time, I could buy a car for 0% down. I bought myself a car. I could buy a house for 3.5% down during that time. But my loans, my education was so expensive. And I just got really mad. They wouldn't let me adjust the payments in certain ways. I just felt like it was very difficult to maneuver the paybacks and the different programs they had for forgiveness. So I got upset and I found a different way to pay those off. I ended up joining the military as a nurse. I learned so much in the military. I'm so thankful for my time in the military. And I also got some of my loans forgiven. And I used the extra money from my one weekend a month to pay off some of my debt. And then I found Dave Ramsey somewhere along the way and began a debt snowball and really took a look at every item that was going in and out of my budget. I will say that part of that happened 
because I went through a divorce, which kind of woke me up and made me refocus and get off of autopilot. And since then, I just have gone full into listening to different podcasts about financial information, real estate investing, and just all sorts of things, and eventually landed on FI. And whenever I found out that not only were people retiring early, but they were saving with a purpose, uh, not just saving for the sake of saving, and that they had paid so much attention to their finances that they could save 50 and 75% of their income. I just didn't know that that was even possible. And it just opened my mind to fire. I love how you mentioned that Dave Ramsey and the other five podcasts in that community really got you to pay attention and to shift you off and away from autopilot. I definitely feel like you've influenced me as well because you were kind of my gateway into the FI community, Tamika. And I now am, you know, on the, that path as well and have intersected it with Kunmari and found so many different similarities in terms of like how they're both really contrarian philosophies. And they're all about going against the grain. And as they're adopted into popular culture, they often are associated with some myths and misconceptions simply because they're not the norm. They're addressing a mainstream issue, but in a new way. It's a new mental model. So I would curious, you know, we've done, you know, an episode on kind of the myths and misconceptions around Kanmari. I'm interested in hearing some of the common myths and misconceptions that you've run across when it comes to FI. Oh, I know some good ones. <laughs> <laughs> Another person in the FI community, Jamila Safran, she um, put up an article the other day and the gentleman who was talking about the FI community got it all wrong. So the idea is that you have to be extremely frugal to the point of deprivation. That's mm -hmm. one myth. Other myths are that you are hoarding your money away and that the idea is that you don't want to work. So you are trying to just buy your way out of working. Other misconceptions come with the fact that a lot of people, once they do reach financial independence or get close or are still on their journey, find other things that ignite them. And then they end up doing those things after they retire from their W-2 job, their nine to five job, so that they're not really retired. Those are some of the main ones that I off the top of my head, and they're just not true. There are many people who are more extreme or more dedicated to the frugal aspects of FI. And then there are those who don't like the feeling of being overly frugal or a highly frugal. And so the other lever that you can pull is you can make some more money in a side hustle, or you can find some more creative ways to cut your other expenses. And you don't have to give everything that you enjoy, experiences or things that bring you joy. You don't have to give everything up just to pursue FI. It's not as dogmatic as some people might think. It's not a one size fits all. There's no one way to reach financial independence. There's a lot of different levers to get there. And it's really just figuring out which ones work for you. Saying that this is who a person in the fire community is and this is how they live. You just can't do that. <laughs> I mean, the overarching concept is to optimize certain areas of your life to achieve financial independence. One of the other myths or misconceptions isn't necessarily about the FI community, but it's how one can get FI. It's not for everybody um, that only certain people can get there. And, and I would say that I initially maybe fell in that camp. I couldn't understand or grasp how people could save so much money when, you know, you have a certain amount of income, you have to live and bills cost a certain percentage typically. And one of my excuses was always we couldn't afford to save. And it was when we finally just rejected that belief and just saved anyway, and things kind of just worked out. And so I think that's a misconception is just this lifestyle is only for certain people, people who already have a certain amount of money. 
Yeah. So what I'm hearing is you don't have to be a frugalist to be on the path to Phi, just like you don't have to be a minimalist to be on the path to Kunmari. It's really just all about comes down to what you value and what makes sense for in your own lifestyle. It's not about deprivation, right? Right. No, absolutely not. Actually, you know, uh, there are people from many different income levels. I know that I don't live a life of deprivation. I don't think it's possible for me to do it long term. (laughs) So, you know, there are times where you have to go through some pain points in order to get to the next level. But I think that from my experience, because people don't know, I did go through the Kanmari experience with Kristen. She came out and we went through my entire house and it was painful at first to touch every single item. Oh, you're going to just empty out the clothes and then you can just go through them and put them together. But no, she made me search the entire house for every (laughs) piece of clothes. There were clothes in the bathroom or maybe there were clothes in the basement. Who knows? There were some clothes at my mom's house. So she made me find every article and we went through every single piece. And that's similar to cleaning up your Mm -hmm. finances. You have to go through every single line item. And when you go through the line items one by one, and you realize that there's $9.99 going out to Apple iTunes, and then there's $1.79 going over to Orange Theory, and then there's $5.99 going to somewhere else. And when you add it all up, you see the huge mound of money that's exiting your bank account. Just like I saw the huge mound of clothes that my three-year-old climbed on top of like a mountain when we put it all in one place and went through it one by one. There are some pain points that you have to go through while you're cleaning up your finances, but eventually you balance it out and you find a way to let things flow to where you're still reaching some goals, but you're still living your life at the same time. And part of that is, I think one of the big realizations for a lot of people in the FI community is figuring out what is it that you're doing this for? What are you going to retire to? Or what does financial independence actually look like? Because you have to have that motivation to then say, okay, I can cut the cord on cable because this goal that I have, this vision of this life for our family is way more important to me than having a hundred choices of TV, (laughs) you know? so That's great. It's really interesting to me, the similarities between Kanmai and Phi. As you were talking, I was thinking about another podcaster that I really like, John Roderick, who talks about this idea that eels attach themselves to us. And those eels are things like cable TV and subscriptions and all those little $5 charges, Mm -hmm. 99-cent charges that Mm -hmm. just pop up on your credit card bill that you don't even think about anymore, but they all add up. And they're like little attachments to us that just don't go away unless you take an action to remove them. And it all goes back to consumption, really. And Mm -hmm. they're both life optimization strategies. And they ultimately are just getting you to pay more attention to the stuff that you buy and the stuff that's crossing the threshold of your home. It's about making sure that your behaviors are aligning with the things that you value. So they're both paths to freedom and true abundance. And so that's how I have gravitated towards the community itself. And I'm curious, Winnie and Tamika, how have spy lifestyle presently changed your behaviors and your mindset? And what's your end goal? How do you know when your family has reached financial independence? As far as changing our lifestyle really ties into what we were talking about just a few moments ago and looking at each one of our money decisions and making an assessment. Is this going to get me closer to where I want to be or not? Do I really need this in my life? Can I do without that for a little while, realizing that it's temporary? So it's just really being more intentional about our money, you know, doing the balancing of each financial decision and then, you know, really sticking to the goal, really making some sacrifices as far as what we do. You know, here's a, for instance, we sold our trailer. We loved our trailer. It was great. We have some really awesome memories in our travel trailer, but it was sitting in a storage facility and we were shilling out money for it every single month and it was sitting there not getting used. And so to pay out that money every single month when we only used it maybe two, three times a year, which was worth more? Was it worth more to have 
the money going into savings or was it worth it to just have it sit there and then maybe use it? And, you know, if we wanted a vacation, we could go on vacation and still create memories. So it's that sort of choices. And then as far as what is the end goal, it's a really big one. (laughs) We have a really, really big end goal for us. And if all goes well and we keep our savings at the rate that it is, and we continue to pay off our student loans and our debt as we have been, my husband and I can retire at 55. We're currently both 47. Our four little boys will be in high school when we retire. And we want to live by the beach somewhere in a house that's paid for and maybe even have an Airbnb and, you know, spend our days with our kids and give them a dream life. And it may seem silly or pie in the sky, but it could actually be a reality because we're going to be in the financial position to do it. You know, maybe we change our mind. Seven and a half years is a long time, but that right now is the end game. And ultimately, Wherever we end up, it's about our boys and being with our kids and just enjoying the second half of our lives, doing what we want to do and not having to feel like we have to live it a certain way. First, when do you technically reach FI with your family? Technically, you reach financial independence when you have saved 25 times your expenses. I say expenses. Some people say times your income, but... I think technically it's your expenses because if you spend, let's say $50,000 on your home, your car, all of your bills every year, and you save 25 times that, so maybe 2.5 million or something, I could probably do the calculation. You then can stop working and just draw down that money each year for 25 years plus, because it's growing, it's invested, and it keeps perpetually building on itself. So that's technically FI. However, there are many, many variations to this. You could get rid of your mortgage and therefore the amount you actually need is much lower. There's other things that you can do to bring that number down so that you reach it faster. That's the first part of how you define when you reach FI. But the thing that happens along the way to FI, or at least what's happened to me, I've freed myself up and my family up to have a different outlook. And so we get to dream and we get to envision things and we get to figure out what we actually want our lives to look like and have some agency to create that. So right now, my husband and I talk about, are we going to get a cabin? The kids are a certain age. I have the summers off since I'm a school nurse. He works from home most days, four days a week. So we could conceivably, on the last day of school, pack up and leave and go live in this cabin for a whole summer and just have these wonderful summer nights with our kids. And that could be a part of the journey that doesn't necessarily have to happen at the end of FI but is happening because we are pursuing FI. Logistically, life has changed in that I went from maybe a savings rate of 15% up to a savings rate of closer to 40% just by paying off debt and rearranging certain things. And now I max out my retirement accounts every year. That is a huge change. I never would have thought that was even possible. I was an accountant. So when I used to see that the the limitation for the 401k was fourteen or $15,000 for the year, I was like, who is doing that? You know, because that is not me maxing that out. <laughs> but now that's my goal. And then in terms of new experiences that have happened since pursuing FI, I opened a business that's a successful brick and mortar business that's outside of my day job. And the podcast, the House of FI podcast would not have happened had it not been for the FI movement. And it has brought me the most joy. We are still figuring it all out, but (laughs) I love hearing Wendy's voice, her laugh. She's the best co-host ever. She's such a hardworking person. (laughs) And then we get to ask, I'm so inquisitive. We get to ask all these questions and just like explore what everyone's doing. It's awesome. I wouldn't have done that without this. Right. Yes, Tamika, questions spark joy for you, for sure. So <laughs> are asking them, just knowing you, um, podcasting is a perfect fit for you. So I'm so glad you guys found each other. 
And just to clarify one thing for our listeners, I know that with when it comes to FI, there's a very particular way that money is invested in passive investment streams. Maybe we should clarify that a bit for our listeners, if you don't mind. So within the FI community, because we are looking at the costs of things, one of the main points that came up very early on is that when you go to a Vanguard or even um, Charles Schwab has a new plan now, you can invest your money for pennies on the dollar in terms of the cost, the management fees and the fund fees. For every dollar that you invest, you're keeping maybe 97 cents of it. When you go to a more high-priced provider, so a financial planner or some other forms of investment, some other areas of investment, you may have fees of 1% or over 1%. You may have load fees on the front. You may have fees on the back when you take your money out. And while it might seem like, oh, it's just 1% or it's just 1% and then or 2%, that money compounded over time means that you are actually losing hundreds of thousands of dollars over time. And you can search online. There are many ways that you can find this information. Mr. Money Mustache has a post about it. Other people in this community that are more number and Excel spreadsheet savvy and have taken the time have already calculated these things out, the dough roller as well. But when you're talking about buying your time, spending your dollars for your investment advisor versus taking that same Fifty or $100,000 and buying yourself an additional three or four years of retirement, it's just a huge difference. So we tend to go with the passive investment strategies that are also low cost. Awesome. All about no fee lifestyle. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Great. So it sounds to me as though there's just a really a lot of different ways to approach FI, much as there are lots of different ways that people approach KonMari. And getting started for both of those philosophies really maybe the most difficult, but, you know, the most confusing for people when they're getting started as far as what approach to take and, and how to take a look at your current situation and decide how you want to approach making those kinds of changes. It can be really overwhelming. What tips would you suggest for someone who is thinking about being a part of this lifestyle? How do you get started in this? Well, there's lots of groups out there. The first thing is don't be an island. Make sure that you're connected with other people in a community. That's how Tamika and I found each other was through an online Facebook community. I think that that's important because there's so many wonderful resources out there just in other people who can give you tips and advice and encouragement because it is a long journey. You're going to need that. So I would think that that is probably the first step. And then at least from my point of view, there needs to be some assessment. Um, and I used to call it the um, ostrich syndrome, <laughs> you know, for, for people with debt, you know, hiding your head in the sand, putting the bills in a drawer and not really looking at them. You have to look at everything. You have to pull it all out. You have to assess what you're spending. You need to look at your bank statements, see where maybe there's unnecessary spending. Because unless you know kind of where you are, you can't create a plan for how you're going to increase your savings rate. So those would be the first two things I would suggest. And then, you know, once you kind of have those taken care of, then figuring out where you want to be. Um, and there's lots of really wonderful calculators out there Personal capital is the one that I use that has helped us figure, okay, how much do we need to save and at what age? And there's some really great features in that calculator where you can put in, um, if you have other income streams that'll still be present at retirement, you can put those in and then those affect your quote unquote five, five number. You know, look for something like that to figure out where you need to be. And then once you know where you need to be, you know, need, you know what you need to cut or how much you need to save or how much you need to in increase your retirement funds. And then from there, just consume everything. <laughs> just read, educate yourself, keep learning, ask questions. Those would be my, my four tips. I completely agree. Starting at the point where you know that people make mistakes 
or you may not have the most wonderful and stellar financial picture, but it is better to put yourself out there. That's the place where we are now. Just put yourself out there, bear it, and move on to fixing it as fast as possible. That's kind of the way that it seems that things are going today. If that's not you, though, find your net worth. So personal capital is a perfect place to do this. You put in your debts, you put in your incomes or your bank account balances. It links everything and it gives you a net worth. And the thing is, once you get to a certain number, you get a personal capital call from them asking you to maybe use their investor-led funds, which you know, because we just talked about it. You will say no, because you're invested in low fund, <laughs> low-cost funds. But it's a great way to look and see. And they send you emails to say that your portfolio is either going up or down with the market mm-hmm. or because you took out some new debt or something like that. That's a perfect place to start. And then I would say to tackle one thing at a time. Mm -hmm. So if it feels more comfortable for you to tackle the debt first, tackle the debt first. If it feels more comfortable for you to get what you already have of your retirement accounts in place first, or if something else feels more comfortable, begin to really tackle that, focus on it, learn about it. One of those things will lead you down the rabbit hole and then Mm -hmm. you can move to that next item. And then... Number three would be do not compare yourself to Mm -hmm. anyone. Don't compare yourself to anybody else in this process. You make a different amount. You have a different background. You started from a different starting point. And who knows what's going to happen in the future? You might start a business and surpass everyone. Or maybe you don't. But you can't compare yourself to other people going through this. It's not about who makes more and who can do more. Although that is a component that is acknowledged or should be acknowledged that when you make more, you can make bigger strides. But that's not the point of this. The point is comparing yourself to yourself and knowing that today you're going to look one way and you'll have that net worth statement to know. And a year from now, you're going to look a completely different way because Mm -hmm. you're going to take those little steps over the next year. I definitely think you should get to the point of maintenance as soon as possible. Once you can set certain things on kind of an autopilot, you free your mind up to other things. So by maintenance, do you mean like automatic bill paying or uh, automatic transfer of funds to investment accounts? Uh, Definitely the automatic savings. And yes, both of those things. It takes some work to get there to know exactly what the balance is. But once you can find the starting point and you know, okay, I could do this every month and it's not going to to, uh, knock anything off track, you can slowly start to, like Wendy said, they saved more and then you can work other things around it. And now it is less likely that you're going to decrease your savings rate once you've put it up there. It's kind of like you get over that little hump and then it's kind of a hump to come back down. So setting everything up to kind of function and live on its own. And then doing the maintenance to keep it tidy is if you can get there, that's the best place to kind of be. And then you can, you know, do what you want to do next. When it comes to this idea of trying to retire early, it occurs to me that in the States, at least, there's a lot of institutionalized disincentives to do that. Mm -hmm. And the one thing that I'm thinking of is that for most people, Their health insurance is a function of their employment. This country is very unique in that way. And you can't get Medicare until you are a certain age. How do people in the bio community in particular, how do they address that that sticking point of health insurance? Yeah, it's a big one. And I would say there's no easy answer to that right now because it is the concern for people who are close to financial independence or are at it. And still not of age yet to collect any sort of, you know, government paid health care. So, you know, right now there's the uh, Obamacare, but, you know, who knows how and to what extent that is going to change. We don't know. So some people are using that. Um, Some people are making that cost as part of their or that estimated cost as part of their plan. So they're factoring in an estimate as best as you can into what their living expenses are going to be at FI. And then other people who are in well health are just choosing to self-fund. And 
then I would say there's others that consider geo-arbitrage and, and moving to other countries where they can get those benefits. You know, it's kind of like the overall arching theme in that one size doesn't fit everybody and you kind of assess your individual situation and you plan as best you can with the knowledge that you have right now. So medical tourism or the geo-arbitrage, it's all part of that same uh, idea. Some people actually travel the world, so they actually live in other places for extended periods of time where they can pay out of pocket for things because the price difference is so drastic that it's worth it. They can get pretty much whatever they need done for an affordable price in other countries. And then others who live near the borders uh, have talked about going across for their dental into Canada or into Mexico or even flying to other places for certain medical procedures and then flying back can be cheaper than paying out of pocket here in the United States. I don't have as much information on that. I don't think anyone does. And so if you have a listener who really knows the healthcare industry and wants to start a blog, they could probably get quite a bit of traffic by writing those <laughs> posts. Because I re- I mean, I really try to convince myself to look into it and do it because it really is the one problem that has not been figured out within the fire community. It's a big one for many people. It can derail your goals, completely create a disaster. Some people who have retired early, they have a pot of money and they might be more um, uh, well off in that way than you or I, but because they only live on, let's say, $30,000, that's how much they draw from that money, that's considered their salary. And so some of them Mm -hmm. do qualify for Medicaid um, and could use it if they Mm -hmm. chose to do that, if they needed it. So those are, that's basically the system as it is today and how different people are moving through it. And I would say that it would seem that this is really, you know, a path where sometimes your goals are several years away, maybe 20 years, 15 years, a good distance into the future. How do folks in the fire community or the fire community stay motivated when working toward these goals when it might feel that it's a long way away? It's really tied into what you're doing it all for. So what is your why? You know, what is that vision of your life? For me, it's my kids. And so every day I know my motivation and staying around other people and staying in communities is another way. Celebrating your wins, recognizing your achievements, because it does take a while. Yeah, I agree. If you don't have a why when you start, uh, you'll start to see the stories of what people are doing with their newfound freedom. And certain things will start to really speak to you. I know that I'm not sure that at my age, when I reach a certain level at my job, I will qualify for a pension. And at that point, I know that I would love to either have a year or two where I either don't work or go part time at that job. And that is getting me through the next couple of years. So you can have shorter term goals and really focus on what that means to you. I really just want a year where I can right around the ages where my kids will be at that time, where I can be in their classrooms or be there Mm -hmm. in a different way than I have before. And I'm a school nurse. I get home at 3.15, 3.30. I'm with them all the time, (laughs) but I just want that experience for a limited time just to have it. And that's like a gift to them and me. So that mm-hmm. gets me through the next few years. And after that, I'll have to think of something else and it, envision it. It will have to be something that brings me happiness and joy or that I mm-hmm. know can to get me through. Because, you know, if you're not really motivated and it's not a priority, you will start to see the creep of the dollars leaving again. You'll start to eat out more or you'll start to just kind of backslide and be less diligent. That's to be expected. So, you know, you need your accountability partners. You need to stay in it and you need a vision. And it also sounds as though it's not about suffering through the next 15, 20 years. It's really about, you know, taking a look at, at how you can optimize your, your happiness and your satisfaction mm-hmm. and still work toward these goals. Mm-hmm. 
I really think that's in alignment with executing a tiding event. While a tiding event should definitely not take 20 years to complete, that would be a little bit anti-Kamari. It can still feel a little bit lengthy to some, definitely. And so I think the same tips apply where you're really celebrating the little wins along the way, you know, being able to get dressed quicker in the morning or find a bill that you've been looking for, you know, celebrating that even though you haven't completed your entire event yet. And also keeping your why in mind, keeping the vision in mind to ground you. So it's not about just getting to the end point. It's about enjoying and being present in all the moments along the way so that you can avoid backsliding or be prepared to really make this a lifestyle choice. So that's great how they complement each other in that way. Yeah, I definitely take those little wins along the way and they bring me a lot of happiness. So Mm -hmm. in terms of Kanmari, when I open my closet door and I see this easy closet (laughs) I can just pick (laughs) my packet of clothes out of, I am so happy. I go to work and it only takes me five minutes. And then in financial independence today, the mail came. I got my pay stub in the mail. And for some reason, every two weeks, I I calculate how much I've saved so far into my retirement accounts. And I just like to see the numbers. That, That makes me feel like, okay, so when I had that pizza from wherever this week, it's okay, because I saved this much this year. You know, it just Mm -hmm. makes me feel like I am doing something. It is happening. One more thing as far as just staying motivated, because what you said to me, just reminded me is just tracking, Mm -hmm. tracking what you're doing. I just throw the numbers in a spreadsheet. And then like once a month, once a quarter, I'll go back over the numbers. I'll update the numbers. And every single time I do it, I am amazed at our progress. Going into the exercise, I'm worried. I'm worried that we didn't do enough, that we should have done more, that we should have been more responsible. And every single month so far, I've just been blown away at our progress. And so I think it's so important to either journal or keep a tra- keep track of it in some sort of spreadsheet or a binder, just something, just keep track of it. Mm-hmm. Great tip. And that was actually where I was going next. Do you have any <laughs> favorite five tips for moms and families or anyone just headed down this path? Two things for freeing up money and your budget, get more savings. You know, there's two categories of expenses in our budget. There's our fixed expenses and then there's our discretionary expenses. And so as far as your fixed expenses, looking for ways to either entirely eliminate that expense or reducing it. And you'll find automatic money just by doing that exercise. And then as far as the discretionary spending, those are things like groceries, um, going and getting a pedicure every, you know, two weeks, maybe you increase that to every three weeks, you know, maybe you eliminate it entirely. But doing the same thing with your discretionary expenses, you will find the money, the money will be there. And once you have the money there to save, save it and then track your progress. And you'll find that you're making these small incremental changes, and they're going to lead to big results. So for me, I'm surprised that Wendy didn't mention her blog post on meal planning. <laughs> it is, that too. <laughs> yes. She's like a master at this. Being able to feed a family, a large family for a limited amount of money by planning it out and just paying attention and then matching it up to what's on sale or items that are inherently less expensive. Some of the protein items like beans Mm -hmm. and lentils and other things that if you compare them to some of the meats, they just have a huge difference in cost. Uh, That is one that's huge because so much of the budget goes towards food. Mm -hmm. Uh, One of the things that I did when the rates were hovering around 3.5, 3.0, whatever they were, I think I was at a 3.75 or 3.8, whatever it was. And I ended up refinancing to a lower rate that also eliminated PMI with my mortgage. Sometimes those things come around. And although you hate to re-amortize it back out, what that did for me was it dropped my monthly payment a couple hundred dollars 
almost a few hundred dollars. So that freed up money that could go towards debt payoff. And I got rid of the PMI cost. So if you add that in, it actually was over the $300 or so, $350 that was eliminated. And sometimes working the numbers, it makes sense. And at other times, it may not make sense. So that leads me to uh, keeping an open mind, doing a little bit of number crunching or asking someone that knows how, and then thinking outside the box. With FI, anything goes. If you don't have kids yet, you can get roommates. If you do, maybe you Airbnb one of your rooms. Maybe you move from a single family to a multi, but it ends up saving you your almost your entire rent payment. Buying a car that's not brand new. There are certain things that you can do that you may not have considered, but if you think outside the box and see what other people have done um, before you make a decision, you sometimes save yourself thousands of dollars. The other component is some people use travel credit cards to get free travel, which I did this year and it's pretty awesome. Yeah, we could probably dedicate a whole nother show to that. So (laughs) for our listeners out there, if you're interested in learning more about travel rewards and things like that and very specific strategies of FI, let us know and we'll explore this piece of the life pie further as it's connected (laughs) to Kunmari and Tidying. Great tips, ladies. And at this very moment, what sparks the most joy in your life? Our podcast. It's just been so much fun just talking to people all over the country in this community and getting their stories because everybody's story is different. But from every story, we're learning something that we can apply to our own lives. And definitely, we know that are going to reach our listeners. The thought of, I was going to have a podcast, you know, even just a year ago was like, oh my gosh, there's no way. (laughs) But it's been so much fun. And Tamika is just an excellent co-host and just has a really great perspective on a lot of things. So I'm learning so much. It keeps me motivated about my own journey. I love the fact that we're helping people and just connecting with people who in our own regular daily lives, we would probably never connect with. And so it's just opened up a whole new world. And so that's my biggest joy right now, besides my kids, you know, that's a given. given. (laughs) Yeah, the family is definitely there, but the podcast, I have to second it. And we're not just trying to put a plug in for our podcast. This is really, I don't know how this happened. I don't know how we got here, but it is here and All I can say is that it's permeating other areas of my life. It's just motivational and it's awesome. I completely get that. If you would have told me five years ago how much time I would spend not only as a listener, a podcast listener, (laughs) which I do for several hours a day, but also the time as a podcaster, I would have never guessed or never believed that it was possible. But it it truly is an amazing thing. Same I hadn't ever listened to a podcast a year and a half ago. Wow. 18 months ago, I wow. had never listened to a podcast. <laughs> never in my life. I'm like, those nerdy people listening to podcasts, you know, who does that? And I, as soon as I started listening, I was hooked. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's what I prefer to listen to in my car. That's what I prefer oh, yeah. to have on my computer, you know, while I'm working. It's just a wonderful new avenue. It's wonderful. Yeah, I definitely relate to that, Wendy. I, I think 18 months ago, the only thing I was binging is Netflix. That was about <laughs> right. it. Like, I'm, a, I'm a very visual right? person. So yeah, I did not think, oh, let me go listen to this podcast every single episode. And I've so done that on certain shows. So many occasions. Yeah. Funny how many things can change just the span yeah. of two years. <laughs> right. Well, ladies, do you have any final words of wisdom for our listeners? Just to take it small steps. If you're really interested in this community and don't even know where to start, just first like message us, like talk to somebody um, because there is so much and it can seem overwhelming, but just take it step by step. These small little changes that you implement into your life, if you do them repeatedly, consistently over time are going to lead to something big. And that's not just with financial independence. That's with anything in your life, whether that's eating better, whether that's getting physically active, just making 
small, daily, consistent changes in your life, it will compound itself. I second that. And I remember when I was in college, I didn't want to take this one course, or maybe there were a few courses, I don't know. But someone, I think one of the deans or something said, you know, if that person who's teaching that course dedicated their entire life to that subject, you can find one thing that's interesting about that subject. Mm -hmm. So go and just search for that one thing. I did not miss another class. It just gave me a new perspective. And that became the goal versus suffering through more people talking about whatever subject it was. So Wendy and I, we're just two of the people in this huge movement that is catching on fire. And Kristen is as well. And she was not excited about this at the beginning. I just kept pushing. So whether there are things that we said today where you had a limiting belief, like, oh, I could never do that. They make this much or I can never do that. I'm not giving up my nights out when I eat or my drinks or this or that. Whatever it is that you take and build a wall up against what we're saying, just if you can, Go and find a podcast, Houseify, Chooseify, go and read an article, Jamila Safran, Journey to Launch, The Reluctant Frugalist, Girlfy, any any article, any piece that you can find and just give it that chance. You can find something in here that can help you. Fantastic final words. And I just want to thank both of you so much for joining us. And we wish you the best as you continue your path to FI and beyond. Oh, thank you so much for having us. This was so much fun. I'm so glad you invited us on the show. To hear more from House of FI, check out their podcast via houseoffi.com or connect with them on Facebook. After catching up on their last episodes, leave a review of House of FI on iTunes for a chance to win a copy of Kids Money Habits by Amy Coit. So now we want to hear from you. Tell us your burning tidying questions or share stories about how Kanmari has impacted your life. You can find us at sparkjoypodcast.com and click Ask Spark Joy to leave a question or comment for a chance to be featured on next week's show. While you're there, sign up to join our Spark Joy podcast community and get notified when each episode airs. You can also join the SparkJoy podcast community on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at the handle at SparkJoyPodcast. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope your day sparks joy. Thank you for listening to Spark Joy with your host, Kristen Ivey of For the Love of Tidy in Chicago and Karen Sochi of The Serene Home in New York City. Spark Joy, the podcast is not endorsed by or affiliated with KonMari Media Incorporated. The opinions expressed on this episode represent the views of the co-hosts and guests alone and do not represent the corporate position of KonMari Media Incorporated or the KonMari Consultant Community.